0: And we're live here in j Weekly Wrap-Up. Not only are we on with Facebook Live for the third week in a row, but we're on SoundCloud. We'll be coming to you later tonight and tomorrow. Uh, my partner in crime, Jackson Schroeder, is alongside with me, as always, in the first time in history of my lifetime. Max McDoolin is not only on this show, but him and I are going to be talking about sports and have actually an audience, not only just classmates, but uh, hopefully over 1,000 people this week. Max, yeah, welcome on. You want to use your mic here?
1: All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me on, man.
0: Absolutely. So we're going to be talking about college basketball with you. Uh, for all the audience members out there, uh, we're live here with our laptops open. If you have questions regarding college basketball, please send them in. We'll be answering them. Max is our inside man here. Uh, huge, huge college basketball fan, not only in the state of Ohio, but he knows a lot about it. Um, let's get, let's dive into it real quick. Uh, the top 25 came out this week, and for the second time in program history, your Gonzaga team, you've been highly talked about the entire year. The only undefeated Division One team left is number one ranked. What do you got to say about this team?
1: Well, I mean, obviously I'm happy because this is what I predicted, so that makes me pretty happy. Uh but, I mean, this really is a team that right now looks like the most complete team in the nation, Bobby. I mean, they look really, really good. They're 22-0. and They played a really solid non-conference schedule, honestly, when you break things down. And, and, and that's the thing that bothers me. You know, people like you, you were picking on me. Oh, Gonzaga. No, go look at the teams they've played. I know they're in a weak conference. I know they're in a weak conference. But, man, they've played against some really solid teams. They have some really solid wins in non-conference play. And when it comes down to it, obviously that should help you out. Uh, uh when it comes to the full season
2: I've got a question when it comes to Gonzaga yeah I mean I I realize you've got them at number one overall right now because they're 22 and 0 Yep. but when you look at your at that schedule and they're out of uh conference play they played two ranked opponents beat them pretty handily Yep. um but they played Arizona beat them and they also beat St. Mary's by a uh, decent margin um but is is their schedule enough to make them number one even with their or uh, their they're undefeated enough to make them number one even with their lack of strength in the schedule? well that
1: that's the question that everybody's asking. I mean uh, you know whether or not the they're i mean so they go undefeated, right? and then you have maybe a really strong, uh, a couple of strong two-loss teams or a couple, of, even a strong one-loss team come the end of the season, what does that mean? Does that mean Gonzaga's going to be number one? Because, I mean, look, Baylor's 19-1 and right now. Yeah. If they run the table, does that mean they're the number one overall seed? you got Villanova, who's 20-2 and with two losses, playing in a really tough conference. If they run the table, are they their number one overall? My thing is, is that I think Villanova's going to lose two more games. Okay. I think Baylor's going to lose... Two to three more games.
2: Maybe uh, tomorrow night. Exactly. Maybe
1: <laughs> tomorrow night. So since those things I, I think are coming, and you know Baylor, uh, you know obviously uh, is playing in the Big Twelve, which looks very tough this year, yeah. uh, which I'm excited about. West Virginia is so confusing to me right now; it doesn't make any sense. One week dangerous. they look amazing. It, they are da- Bob Huggins' teams are always dangerous, and and they're actually one of my teams to watch right now because they have one of the best defenses in the country, and those teams that don't give up points come tournament time. They don't need to put up 80 points on you. You know, yeah. they they can they can go out there and they can win those grinded out 62-60 games. Um, so yeah, but 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 no, that's a very fair question, but I think those other teams that could be in front of them aren't going to run the table. So I think Gonzaga as if Gonzaga runs the table, I think they're the number 1 overall seed.
0: It's very hard not to put them at the number 1 overall seed just because as you said the undefeated schedule. But a couple years ago they were undefeated. They got the last number 1 seed and they as Put on quality, they got the shit end of the bracket. They yeah. play Kentucky as the 8 9 matchup there, and they end up going all the way to the national championship and losing to UConn. Um, it's so hard. I mean, you know, these fans are still going to be looking at that a couple years ago, be like, I don't know if I could trust this team. Yeah. And I guess time will tell. And they have a good schedule this year. Yeah, they do. They have huge wins over Iowa State, yep. Arizona. You can even put Washington, Tennessee up there as, as good quality non conference wins. Yep. But later on the season, again, you said their, their conference lightens up huge. Uh, but when it comes to tournament time, they're always tournament tested, uh, always finding themselves around that Sweet 16 bubble area before they either get knocked out or make a little run for themselves. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. I'm going to change a little bit in college basketball and go to a team that's been a powerhouse in our entire lifetime, and that is the Duke Blue Devils. Yeah. What a storyline this entire year has been pretty much for the Duke Blue Devils with Coach K going down uh, Head cases.
1: Head cases. Yes. Drama I a mean, plenty. I mean, this, is, this, is, <laughs> at what, this Duke. is more drama than the Bachelor. Oh that, no! <laughs> this is this is <laughs> way this is way worse than what Corinne's got going on in the Bachelor right now. All over my Twitter feed, all the arguments that she's in or whatever. Oh Duke is way worse Grace than what the Bachelor Alan has looks going like on. A
0: USA soccer player.
1: It, it's really strugglesome. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, Grace Allen is so frustrating to me because first of all. Um, this is a kid who obviously needed to learn a lesson, Very much so. and so you think to yourself, oh, indefinite suspension. We talked about this last week. I thought you, it was going to be gone for a long time. All right, maybe he'll be out five games, is probably minimum. One, one game. game. One game. Two one days. Game. Two days. Two days. Yeah. One two, game suspension. Two days he's suspended from the program. Uh, and, and and it's frustrating because it comes. Uh, you have Duke's schedule pulled up. Right it came after uh, a loss to uh, it was Virginia Tech. a lo- a loss against Virginia Tech, uh, and then of course they come out in their next game against Georgia Tech. It's a blowout. Um, they although they the were best. they were yeah they looked really good.
2: I, I watched that game, and that was when I thought that they were going to continue and yeah. possibly be a huge tournament team. But. Well, and yeah. you
1: thought Grayson Allen looked more mature in that exactly. game, too, right? Yeah. I mean, even though it had been only a one-game suspension, you thought, oh, maybe, maybe he did. Maybe he understands. Yeah. Because we all knew at that point that he had a short leash. At least we thought he did. I
0: think every game since then, he's had a, either a technical foul or, or a tussle with another team. He's, he's walked through the a bench of an opposing team. Last game, he even looked at like he, he kicked a Notre Dame player. I mean, its I, I don't want to see what the kid goes through just because you know everyone's watching you.
1: It's so painful. And it's so sad because Kennard is, should be the story at Duke, which is what we talked about. A kid who who does everything the right way, it seems like to me. You know, uh, he's still a Duke kid, so guess what that means? That means he's going to have some enemies, right? Right? Amen from over in the corner. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, uh, but... He does things right, you know, and, and I hate to say that because, you know, it's okay to be a boisterous player. It's okay to be confident. It's okay to be excited. But honestly, you know, Grayson Allen is a different story. He's got some real problems with anger, frustration, and his attitude. I mean, just it, the way that he plays is so frustrating to watch. I mean, you know, it's not even the level of Christian Leitner. you know, of, of oh, we hate that guy just because he's he so good and right. has an attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Grayson Allen has, you know, there's something different about him that he, he's my number one I if there was a uh I don't know most frustrating player list that I yeah, had to be one. maybe a little bit more politically correct. He's number one on there. Yeah, I don't true. want him on my team. I'm sorry. There's better players out there that I don't want stat on my team. About
2: the Blue Devils right now, and this is especially strange for a Coach K-led team where they pride themselves on how well coached that their team always is on the discipline. On the discipline. Yeah. And Grayson Allen is is a guard, and he leads the team for assists per game. You know what that is? Three point nine, just under four. How are you going to be a successful? If you can't share team? the basketball, if you can't share the basketball. Yeah, I mean, yeah, th- that's disappointing.
1: No, that that's definitely frustrating, especially when you're a Duke team because you know you will see teams like uh, the Gonzagas and the Cincinnati's of the world, um, who obviously I'm on both of those bandwagons heavy this year, and people will bring up the assist statistic. Well, you're like, well, those teams, the reason they're good is because they're experienced and they're deep. Duke and Kentucky are teams that normally have players who play heavy minutes. So you yeah. expect someone to have 6 or 7 assists. And Duke doesn't have that right now and they look so inconsistent. If they could have played the way they played against Georgia Tech, discipline, uh the amount of discipline they had after in that game. You're like, "Oh wow, coach K has got the team back under control even though he's not there. He sent a message." Yeah. And and that hasn't proven to be true you, it sadly.
0: Looked, it He's a great coach. He yeah, does not have a leash on his players right now. He's getting older, yeah. uh, maybe losing a step or two. Um, again, time will tell with this team. I want to talk about teams that are looking good right now mm-hmm. that have a lot of question marks, and it could be possible upsets when it comes tournament time, early yeah. exits if they're top four, four, one of four seed. Yeah, early, who, do you, who do you have right now?
1: Well, I mean, one of the teams that I would be concerned about in early exit would be more like a Louisville. Uh, I've seen some inconsistency there. Rick Petino, I think this is a team that really he... It, it seems like Louisville right now is a team that um, he he is the reason that they are where they're at. You know, it's not that they have a number of playmakers. As we pull up their schedule right here, you know, you have a loss on uh against uh number 10 Florida State, but they responded really well with a win on the road at Pittsburgh. It's nights like that that kind of show the inconsistency. They put up 68 points against the Florida State team that looks very good, mind you. They do it's look faltering right now, but yes. I still think they're going to be okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but and then you come out the next night and put up 106 points against Pittsburgh, who consistently has been a really good program. And that's been their whole season. You know, they beat Kentucky and then they lose to Virginia. And I think Virginia's uh, been overrated all season long, personally. Um, as they always are. As they always are. Uh, my friend Lena Kramars doesn't like when I bring that up because she's a huge Virginia <laughs> fan. Uh, but, but Louisville is a team that I'm kind of questioning. UCLA, I haven't been high on all year long. The,
0: the problem I have with the Pac 12 and the West Coast teams are. Yeah they don't win when it needs to happen yeah last time there was a pac-12 team in the final four was when kevin love was still yeah, in college yeah i mean that was years ago
1: well and then look out at the west coast i mean you got a guy in uh, uh i think uh fultz he's at uh, washington mm-hmm. you don't hear you don't hear about his name he's going to be a phenomenal nba player i mean he's going to be the number one draft pick in the nba draft uh And he's similar to a Ben Simmons guy. You know, he's stuck on a team that hasn't had production. But you think that when a Washington gets a guy like a Fultz, oh, okay, they're going to be in the fold. They're not even going to make the tournament, which is really frustrating. I mean, you know, for a kid who, you know, is surrounded by – You know, you consider, okay, Pac-12 athletes, those are really good athletes, right? Mm -hmm. If you have a player that you assume is going to be in in the NBA and is a guard who can make people better around him, and he can't even take him to the NCAA tournament, that's the issues with the Pac-12. I mean, it's just that there's this underperformance. I don't know if it has to do with just the point that it's on the West Coast and sometimes maybe even athletes – Maybe even feel forgotten sometimes oh, out there. Yeah. Uh, I think that that might be part of it because look at me. I'm, I'm low on UCLA, yet I'm super high on a West Virginia team, yep. whereas you could say that UCLA and West Virginia have some of the same problems. Yes. They don't score consistently. Uh, both of them look really good on defense sometimes, but they struggle sometimes getting in foul trouble, you know. Um, but, but, also, a Bob Huggins team, I, I think you always have to be scared of Bob huggins. He's a great coach uh he did really good good things with the Cincinnati Bearcats, and I don't just say that because I'm a Cincinnati guy that's because he did you know that's a, those are teams that uh he knows what he's doing, so I think it's good to see that he has another good West Virginia team went to the final four in West Virginia in the past would have won a national championship if they didn't have a huge injury, I yep. think too Absolutely. so
2: how legitimate do you think the Kansas Jayhawks are because I look at their schedule also. And I see who the, their strength of schedule, and they've played three ranked opponents. The first one and two of those were losses, and the first one was Indiana, of course. And then they had that Im- what seemed to be impressive win over Duke. Yep. Um, but now, what what does that mean anymore, yeah. really? And then they lost; they got beat really bad by West Virginia. And they've got a big game coming up. Um, well, they just beat to- Kentucky this yeah. past weekend oh, in, I, yeah, in you're right, you're Rupp, right. which
0: was, I mean, you don't see teams, yeah. especially out of it, conference, it does go, not happen. go to Rupp and win. It doesn't happen. And then right now they have a huge game tomorrow. There's two, there
1: are two places yeah. that opposing teams don't win at. It, it, it is, uh, well, on the road against Duke, yeah, on the road against Kentucky, and on the road against Iowa State. And all of those teams have looked pretty bad at yeah. points at home yeah. this year. So it's kind of been a funny year. Yeah. Kansas is... I mean, they're going to be uh, one of the four number one seeds. I think oh, that that's going to be that. in the bag. Yeah. But I think that this is the Kansas team. I think you're right. It's the Kansas team that's had the most question marks yeah. over the past few years. Um, you know, you, you don't say to yourself, oh, wow, that, that is a team that um, they're going to make a run super quick. I mean, uh, uh, the types of teams that I think really can have a run in them are your Villanovas and your Baylors that I kind of brought up earlier. Um Villanova's look great all season long, right? They're, you know, 20-2 and two right now. They're number two uh, in RPI. Uh, and and uh, another team, though, that I think is a little bit interesting because they're dealing with injuries but have a great coach and Chris Mack is Xavier. Yeah, they're sure. still really high on the RPI, so that's going to help them if they can get back on track in conference play. So they might not have a bad seed. And, and I think if they can figure things out, they're lucky. I mean, if you're going to get an injury, now is the time. Uh, so they have, you know nine or ten regular season's game left to figure things out, they could be one of those scary teams because everyone's like, what's going on with Xavier? And then all of a sudden they might creep up on the back end.
0: All right, so we have an action-packed show. Uh, we want to move on to NHL. But any last words? Because I'd love to have you on for next week. we we'll talk talking yeah. about uh, Cinderella teams, hopefully. Yeah. Be, I mean, right now it's the last day of January. February is when basketball really starts getting going. I know right now uh, you're right in the middle of – Uh, conference play and teams are starting to separate themselves from the rest of the field and some teams are putting themselves back in the field. Um, What do you want to watch out for this this weekend? What games do you have in mind? Well,
1: there's, I wouldn't say the games this weekend. The team that I'm watching over the span of the next four or five games is Michigan State. And this is why. You and I have talked about this a little bit. They looked really bad, but Tom Izzo talked about how he apologized to the players and fans for the difficulty of the schedule. They opened up against Arizona and Kentucky. Then they had to go play against Baylor. They played against Wichita State, who's normally good. They play against Duke. So they set themselves up for really a brutal start. They have one really bad loss to Northeastern. That's their only bad loss. They won against Michigan, and now they have Nebraska, Michigan, Iowa, and Ohio State in their next four games before they play on the road against Purdue. If they can somehow get through those four games, either 4-0 or even 3-1, they're back to being on the bubble. Yeah. Because yeah. they've played such a difficult schedule, you can't punish them that hard. I mean, their RPI is still high. They obviously have to get to 19 wins for sure and then win a couple games in the tournament. But, man, you can never count out Tom Izzo.
0: Well, thank you so much, Max. Thank you. Doing, I mean, this is great. Finally thank got to man. see you, Max. <laughs> come Enjoyed on. it. we got a live Thanks, audience Thanks, guys. Here. It's good here. stuff here. I'm going to turn off your mic just so yep, Shane up, can here. come on in. Uh, Max with college basketball, got to love his insight. I mean, he knows so much stuff. Every time I go to class with him uh, on Monday through Wednesday and Friday, we talk about it. Shane, you can come on in here. Um, I'm going to hand you this mic. This is be Shane Dazen. Uh, actually, I'm going to be honest with you, I met Shane last week uh, <laughs> at Trinidad. Yeah, we're, we're ready, yeah, to ready to go. Yep, we're good to go. Uh, we're good to go. I met him today. You met him today. <laughs> uh, Shane is, is AVW production here at Ohio University, does the play-by-play for the Ohio University club hockey team. Uh, team is on a roll right now. Uh, I guess later on the season when it comes to playoff time, we can talk a little bit more about the Bobcats. Uh, I want to get talking about the All-Star Weekend. Not only was it for the NBA, we'll talk about that with Matt Harrington, my roommate, next. But the NHL had their all star game. Uh, you're from Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. die hard Pens fan. I'm from Columbus. The Jackets are kicking some butt. They actually won a night 6 4 so shout out to the Jackets. And your Pens also won a night. Yeah, they did. But we combined this past weekend together in the Metro and uh, the Metro was booming. Uh, got a huge victory. The players get a million dollars. What do you want to talk about in the second half of this NHL season moving forward? What teams are you looking out for?
3: Well, coming right out of the gate there, you see your teams that are true contenders. You're looking at uh, teams like Pittsburgh. You're looking at teams like Minnesota, who's kind of, uh, you know, been building to this peak. And uh, finally, they're uh, getting things together here, uh, making some noise out in the West. But uh, you're looking at your true contenders, like uh, those powerhouses, like Washington, Chicago, Pittsburgh, Minnesota, Columbus, too, uh, in that equation as well. And then you're looking at the rest of the pack here. And I think that that's something that uh, we really haven't seen in the last couple years. This league, there's a, uh, You know, a ton of parity in the NHL. A lot of teams are very closely matched and, uh, you know, uh, a spare inch here and a spare inch there really decides these hockey games. But this year we're seeing a big increase in goal scoring. And uh, especially for these, uh, you know, top-heavy teams like Pittsburgh and Chicago, uh, they're really finding that second notch, moving ahead of uh, the rest of that pack. And uh, I think that that's something that we haven't seen in the last couple years. And it's really going to make this final push going forward here interesting because you've got a ton of teams at those uh you know bottoms of those wild card standings that are uh you know really scratching and clawing uh, to try to find their way into those last two spots for uh, both the west and the east well
0: i'm looking at the wild card standings right now in the east and i mean it's it's a nobody you got toronto trying to make themselves relevant once again they've they've fallen off the map here in the last couple of years uh, the Rangers got a huge loss at home against a, against a very good Columbus team. I mean, I'm not just talking and trying to bump up the, the Jackets from Columbus. This team is legit, in my opinion. This is the best team I've seen ever. Um, I've also, when I want to talk about the, the Philadelphia Flyers and what happens with them, I mean, right now you have Lundquist as a goalie for the Rangers. The guy's an absolute stud. I mean, to have a notch on every other team, I mean, looking at the wild card, you want to have him be your goalie,
3: correct? Ah, Henrik Lundqvist, he's an interesting case because going into this year, I would tell you, yeah, I I, I would, you know, take my money with uh, Henrik Lundqvist and uh, his ability to get the job done in the playoffs in the regular season. He's been a proven goaltender that, uh, you know, they don't call him King Lundqvist for no reason. Uh, He really has been a king in that for the Rangers, but... uh, Looking back to the playoffs last year against the Penguins, he really uh, kind of looked like a sieve, to be honest with yeah. you. He was he was definitely a, a reason why the Rangers did not advance in that first round last year. His goaltending was not up to snuff for uh, New York. And going into this year, too, uh, you're looking at an interesting dichotomy because the Rangers aren't ready to give that net up uh, for Henrik Lundqvist. He really hasn't shown that he's, uh, you know, an elite-level goaltender at this level this year. So um, it's kind of interesting because uh, you can see the Rangers really holding on to Henrik and really uh, hoping that he'll uh, refine some of the magic that he had. But uh, Antti Ranta for the Rangers has played a really big role on this team. He's done a nice job spelling Lundqvist when uh, there's been some deficiencies in his game and uh, when he battled a couple minor injuries earlier this year. So for the Rangers, I don't think that uh, Henrik Lundqvist really is – as much of an it factor as he used to be. So, a
0: couple two years ago, it was in his prime. Uh, even today, he gave up three quick goals. Was pulled from the game.
3: I can't tell you how many times we've seen Henrik Lundqvist pulled from a game this year. I want to. I don't know if you'd be able to pull that up or not, but I can count. You know, six, seven. Eight times already that Henrik Lundqvist has been pulled from a game this year, and a couple times against the Penguins, too. They seem to really have his number. So when you're looking at those teams at the top that the Rangers need to climb to uh, really make some noise and try to get a nice uh, position uh, leading into the playoffs, he's not having success against those top-notch teams like Columbus, who he loses to tonight like Pittsburgh and the Rangers.
0: The Metro right now is absolutely destroying everybody. I mean, the top of the Metro is incredible. Washington right now sitting with 72 points. uh, Columbus is 70. Pittsburgh with the win tonight. They're at 67. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: I mean, those three teams could be first place in any other division, and Pittsburgh is third right now, so they'd be a road team playing Columbus in the first round. I want to look at the West a little bit. Chicago has been absolutely dominant our entire last six, seven years of our lifetime. Uh, I mean, Patrick Kane has been a stud. I mean, a great USA player. Uh, Corey Crawford in the net. And then you got Minnesota right now in the central uh, Dubnik, incredible goalie. One of the best goalies in the first half of the season, locking it down. And then Nashville starting to get hot. They're 7-2-1 and in the last uh, 10 games. They're pulling away from St. Louis. Uh, who do you see out of the Central being a very huge threat moving forward and making a deep run in this playoffs?
3: I think I'm finally ready to crown the Minnesota Wild as uh, this Central Division winners at the end of this season here. I really like what I've seen from Minnesota, both on the defensive end and on the offensive end too as well. They're a great puck possession team. They really do a nice job uh, killing uh, opponents attacks uh, through the neutral zone and really uh, dictating the flow of play through their puck possession. Look at Uh, Just uh, their goal differential here, plus 51, uh, leads the league for Minnesota. And that's, like I said, a two-fold equation there with both uh, Devin Dubnik, who stepped up as an elite-level goaltender in his last uh, two or three seasons in the NHL, really coming to form for Minnesota. And, uh, you know, couple that with some of the guys on the offensive end. They got seven guys with uh, a plus 19 or better that's seven of the top 12 positions in the NHL and plus-minus Minnesota occupies. So you're looking at guys who are uh, producing when they're on the ice and plus-minus for all you guys uh, who aren't really aware. That's uh, pretty much when you're on the ice uh, with your team for a goal that you guys score, that's going to be a plus in your book. And then when you're on the ice for an uh, opposition's goal, it's going to be a minus. So they're getting guys on the ice uh, you know, who are productive and who are uh, you know, scoring goals. At a, at a pace that I haven't seen in a while.
0: Yeah, no, they're absolutely killing it in the West Central uh, Division. The last one we'll talk about is Pacific. Pacific, mm. I, I, again, it's like college basketball. College kind of football. an oddball, yeah. They're just the, the guys out west. No one we really pays attention to. They're not doing as great as the rest of the league. Uh, San Jose, Edmonton, and Anaheim. I mean, Edmonton coming out of nowhere. Just, I mean, one of the best players in all of hockey. Um, I guess you could talk about that if you want to right there.
3: Oh, yeah, I think we all know who we're talking about here, uh, Mick McJesus. Yeah, some some like that. to affectionately call him Connor, Connor McDavid, number 97 there, the captain for the Oilers, having an unreal year for Edmonton, leading the league in points uh, at the turn of the All-Star break there uh, with 59. So really seeing that maturation of Connor McDavid uh, before our eyes. And the maturation of the Edmonton Oilers, too, this is a team that, has really been bottom dwellers for the last you know five six seasons. You're constantly seeing Edmonton with the number the one, one pick, overall I mean, pick. Yeah, four awesome. four or five years, yep. Edmonton had the number one <laughs> overall pick, and it's they like still couldn't get anything together. Hey. Look at the <laughs> talent. <laughs> yeah, sorry sorry uh, for all you Cleveland fans it's here. Cleve- but the Cleveland but Cleveland right <laughs> yeah, there. they're they're a fun team to make comparisons with. But no, look at the talent that Edmonton uh, you know acquired in those drafts. Looking at guys like Nugent Hopkins, who's still a member of that team, but. Uh, Taylor Hall, who was you know a really solid player for Edmonton, didn't quite work out with him, but they move him and grab a defensive piece in Larson, uh, Adam Larson from the New Jersey Devils, that they really needed, uh, you know, to kind of help mold uh, their defense in front of Cam Talbot. So uh, they make some. You know, not so uh, flashy moves there. A lot of people were questioning that trade at the time, but it seems to have worked out for them in there. Having all these players, uh, you know, really come to form together as one unit. So I think that's that's, uh, you know definitely a reason why Edmonton is finally uh, starting to hit their stride. But when we talk about the West there, and we were uh, likening it to the Pac-12, I definitely got to agree with you. A team like San Jose, who comes out of the West and, uh, you know, faces the Penguins last year in the Stanley Cup Finals, you 'd like to think that you know that maybe they have a jump up on the rest of that division, but everybody else is still kind of hanging around there in the, that top three uh, Anaheim, for example, a team that has had a lot of regular season success but couldn't translate it to the playoffs is sitting there with sixty three points right behind the sharks and Edmonton is also on their heels, so uh, I think that one is going to go down to the wire i don 't count out Edmonton by any means. Uh, you know Whether or not they win the division remains to be seen, but I think they definitely have solid positioning on a wild card spot, and they could definitely make some noise in the first round and uh, subsequent rounds.
0: Well, the push for the playoffs started today. It's the second half of the season. Technically, after the All-Star break, we're a little bit more than halfway through the season. Um, I hope to have you on a couple more times, talk about once it gets closer to that postseason hockey. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be fun. I mean, you're a Penguins fan. I'm a yeah. Jackets fan. Hey. A couple years ago, we had a absolute crazy series that went back and forth all four mm-hmm. three games couple overtime games here and there um but i think the jackets might have a head up on you guys right now I, I think we get the mixture we talked about this on ohio sports zone with the ohio, the ohio university hockey team and how they have the young studs with the veteran players with like scott hartnell uh, sod's been there before uh but Brof, not as young as he used to be he's 28 in his middle of his prime right now I mean, the Penguins, though, just the lineup from head to toe is, I mean, from top to bottom is ex- extremely good. I mean, when you have Crosby and Malk in there. The question is, though, is how good can your goaltending be? And I guess we'll figure that out.
3: Yeah. For the Penguins, real quick, just uh, I'll, I'll do a little quick breakdown for both. But for the Penguins, real quick, uh, good problem to have in net. They've got two goaltenders who have both won Stanley Cups and have factored into the team's success in the last couple years, uh, you know, tremendously, and you have a situation in Pittsburgh where Marc-Andre Fleury is on the trade block because of this expansion draft coming up here in uh, June with Las Vegas uh, You know, moving into the league. Uh, everybody's got to shore up their positions here, and you uh, have a couple different breakdowns, either a 7-3-1 where you go with uh, seven forwards, three defensemen and a goalie, or eight skaters and a goalie. So uh, for the Penguins, where uh, Marc-Andre Fleury has been that stalwart, kind of like uh, Henrik Lundqvist was in New York, you suddenly find a position where Matt Murray, who kind of lucked into a playoff uh, you know, starting position due to Fleury's concussion last year in March leading into the playoffs, rode all the way to the Stanley Cup, had a great run for the Penguins, and he really positioned himself to be that top goaltender for Pittsburgh. So uh, you're now looking at a situation where Marc-Andre Fleury is on the block and it's kind of sour for the team. But uh, he's handling it really well. He's a consummate veteran, a guy that uh, you know you can't say enough about in the locker room. And he's been really pr- uh, prepping Murray for this starting role that he is bound to uh, have for the Penguins. And uh, as we move forward here uh, toward the deadline, it should be interesting to see if Pittsburgh uh, decides to keep Marc-Andre Fleury and that two-goalie uh, tandem intact, or yeah. if they go another direction and try to recoup some of that loss that uh, they might potentially lose in that expansion draft.
0: Well, I want to thank Shane for coming on. We're actually trying to figure out the uh, battery issue on my, on my phone. It's, it's dying here. But <laughs> Mateen's here. plugging on in. Make sure we can get this in here real quick. Um, I want to thank you again.
3: Hey, thank you for having me, guys. I really appreciate Thanks,
0: it. You. Absolutely. <laughs> this is j Weekly Wrap-Up. We're going to switch gears here and get uh, my roommate, Matt Harrington, on over here. If he can fi- <laughs> finally slide his way in. Thank you, Shane. Uh, if you guys are listening still, I, send some questions. We got the NBA talk coming up, some uh, signings on the NFL, uh, or excuse me, NCAA draft. Let me give this to you to turn this on. You're good to go. Hey, how's it right? going, guys?
4: How's it going? My little stuff here. So, a little sick. A little, sick. A little sick. Let me get just like, <laughs> just like the Cavs. Just we'll like get, the Cavs. We'll get we'll get started on that here pretty soon. All
0: right. So let's talk about the Cavs. You know, let's dive right into the Cavs. Right now, we have a huge, huge topic discussion going on. With LeBron James and Charles Barkley.
4: Let Charles Barkley. Bink- Bink- Barkley, excuse me. <laughs> so
0: what happened was Charles Barkley came on TNT late night earlier last week. Um, he pretty much set his mind. He said he called LeBron James a crybaby. He said the guy should not be complaining about his roster and how he can affect the NBA and try to win another championship. The guy's got the second-best roster in the NBA compared, in my opinion, to the Golden State Warriors, who are Definitely. right here in Steph Curry. The problem I have, though, and I'm agree with Chuck and Charles Barkley, is that LeBron's the man. He's the best player in all of, all the NBA. All the
4: NBA in the and the whole world. In the whole world, 100%. That's, that's a very agreeable statement. Yeah. He's got
0: one of the best point guards, may, maybe of our generation, and Kyrie Irving. Who he was worthy
4: of a number one draft pick, so i say so.
0: <laughs> and then you have Kevin Love, who's a rebounding machine, and then all LeBron wants to do is keep, again, doing what Duke is, just a, 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 a drama-filled TV show. I mean, it's incredible. I don't I mean, know if he wants to be doing that, but he's been doing it for the last couple of years. He wants his pieces. He wants this, this and that. This year,
2: more than any, though. I,
0: I mean, he wants to repeat. I understand that, but it's, it's it's enough's enough in my opinion. He just got Corver. He went out wants Melo. If he can get Melo, which I still thinks a cancer for the for the team. I don't too. I don't
4: think that's going to happen. Um, Mello, he is a cancer. He's 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 older. He doesn't play defense. His defense is very questionable. He's not. He's not going to be the guy that, especially if you're trading for Kevin Love, who does do the dirty work, who will do the dirty work. Like, he stopped Kevin or Steph Curry in the final seconds in the championship game last year. I don't think if you put Melo in that
2: situation, I don't think Melo does the same thing that Kevin Love does. Absolutely not. Plus, where where would Melo fit into this game, coming off the bench to play one of them? I mean, you've got Tristan Thompson, who I think is a better asset to the team than Kevin Love. I mean, I think he's the three-man on that team. He's
4: a great offensive rebounder. Offensive uh,
2: rebounder and the heart that he plays with, Exactly, he plays plenty of heart. I have him on my team before (coughs) Kevin Love. And so LeBron came
0: out, and I think this morning took a couple of low blows at at Charles Barkley, Mm -hmm. talking about his pass and how he threw a guy through a window, um, how – He's been nothing. I didn't like, even know about that. I didn't know. About that I asked you about that. I've mean, I never heard of this story didn't before. Know about I, mean. That. I mean, obviously, the NBA is a very unique sport. Uh, a lot of these guys come out of high school and uh, didn't have a college education. Um, but again, it's just like I don't know why he had to take such a low blow at him.
2: Well. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jackson. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just Charles Barkley. And if you ever watch what him and Shaq talk <laughs> the about <great> TV. <laughs> after that, that is reality TV. Oh, that yeah. is The Bachelor yeah. right there. Yeah. Um, LeBron's frustrated right now and with good reason. Good reason. But I, I think this is the, what's wrong with the Cavs. LeBron feels a lot of pressure to repeat like he should. And then they're starting to fall off and lose a few games in the middle of the season here. And people are starting to question them. They dropped to eight in the power rankings. And LeBron feels the pressure. They just made a big move to pick up Korver. And now they're sitting around 500 since they picked up Korver. Seven and eight in the month. Seven and eight in the month. The most loss they've had since February 2015. I think that when they had they had 9 losses or something like yep, that. Yeah, exactly. So Yeah, and and the ca- he LeBron just feels all the pressure and that's why he responds to Charles Barkley like this. It's very characteristic. It's a big characteristic of Charles Barkley to call out players and talk like this. It is not usual for LeBron to respond like this, but it makes sense in this situation because of what's on his shoulder. And you can see by the way he's playing, he's playing tight. Kyrie Irving for one during this seven and eight stretch mm-hmm. has been playing great. He's yeah. been that playmaker that LeBron is going out to find. Yeah. He's got him right in front of him. Like Definitely. just play with what you got. Stop going and trying to get people. You've got your team right in front of you. Do the best with you you can with that with that Definitely. team. What
4: I think Charles is trying to trying to say here is uh he's trying to question the, the integrity of the league. Um even though he's coming at LeBron, he's questioning everybody in the league, especially Kevin Durant, the Warriors. Because th- this has never happened, where a superstar MVP, MVP uh, caliber type of player has teamed up with you know three other all stars on the team, so that's why he's actually kind of like challenging LeBron right now, because LeBron is is wanting and he's saying LeBron, you've been doing this. You're actually the, the one that actually kind of started this in the 2010 era. So, but I feel like LeBron has good reason to come back at, at Charles and is needed because he needs to show this side that. You know he's not afraid to you know speak his mind. Yeah. I think he's trying to keep this. Uh, he he's been trying to keep this good image, a good role model image, for so long, and it's definitely good for the league and for kids to see that you know you got to stand your ground on some, some certain things.
0: I have a question for both you guys here. Now you and I talked about this earlier this morning with these mega star mega teams going on, where team people are leaving their team. Uh, who have a, a good core, as you could say, like Kevin Durant, for instance. Last year with Oklahoma City, got all the way to the Western Conference Finals, was up three to two, and then blew that lead to Golden State. Mm-hmm. That team, three to I, one, three to one, three to one.
4: Yeah,
0: three to <laughs> three to one. Um, that team itself, I think, was good enough to get to a championship again if they had an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Everyone could stay healthy, and the pieces were right for them. You're getting all these players trying to leave again, like we talked about, Melo trying to leave and join the Cavs. So it would be four superstars on one team. A couple of years ago, we were talking about when Paul Pierce was with uh, the Boston Celtics, that those big three with Garnett, him, and, and Rajay Rondo. Yeah, Ray Allen, can't forget, hey, about, Jesus, <laughs> Can, forget about, about Jesus, shut Cannot forget about Jesus, shut Allen was the guy that, that came over. <laughs> that, that's correct. Now looking at Rondo moving team to team and uh-huh. we're trying to make them a powerhouse. But is this bad for, the? I guess, the quality of play? I mean, you get teams with with four good players, which is great for that one team, but it's taken away from other teams that are just absolutely just getting killed.
4: It takes away from the regular season. You know, people that love to watch the regular season, um, it definitely takes away from that aspect, that competitive aspect, uh, at least, from my my, uh, point of view. What would you say about that, Jack? Yeah, my opinion.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just think think that the regular season in pretty much every single sport except the NFL professionally-wise is too long. I think the NBA, they yeah. know it's a complete joke. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at standings right now in the Western Conference, where you have the Lakers and the Suns, who have a combined 31 wins, and even with their losses, they
2: have individually are still under 500. They're, they're over. They're, 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 they're just trying to. They're trying to tank. They're tanking. What's wrong with the NBA is, and I don't even care about the regular season. The, the NBA is set up in a way where the postseason takes just as long as the regular season. And, if and I mean, you, that's, you have your opinion on that, it's whatever. But um, my problem with it is it starts in the Eastern Conference, and that's the superstar teams. You've got the Cavaliers, and then eighth, you've got the Charlotte Hornets. So even the first round of the playoffs – even yeah. being a cavs fan <laughs> i don't care if i miss <laughs> one of those games yeah. because and that and that's the problem with it once you get regular season you're going to have the bad games you're going to have the good games i still tune in for the cavs uh playing just about any um top 8 Marquee team in the matchup West. Yeah, yeah. yeah and i like that and i and i like those matchups more than a lo- the first two rounds of the playoffs <laughs> for the cavs i think the playoffs that the 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 impact that the Superstar teams have on the NBA is the biggest in the playoffs rather than the regular season. Now,
0: could we say just get rid of all conferences?
4: Yeah, I was and, about to bring and that say, up. Just yeah, bring the, best the best 16, best team 16 teams. teams, yeah. And go 1-16 yeah.
0: just like college basketball. Yeah. You have 1 16 16 of yeah. having one and eight in the 8 seed I at both divisions right now. Both conferences would be under 500. <laughs> um it's embarrassing. I think it's really bad for the game. Uh, it's not
4: viewer friendly. That's that's the- say that yeah. i
0: think the second round would be a lot more interesting if you had one playing 16 and then eight versus nine playing each other because eight versus nine, you could still have that's a good matchup te- teams getting in there and hopefully exactly. being over 500 but i guess we have to see uh what do you have next on the nba I mean, We um, about the Cavs,
4: potential because- trade destinations for Carmelo. i mean people have been throwing it out like maybe the sixers but i feel like that's another place where it could look like the new york knicks as well like what yeah, they look yeah. like now uh also the boston celtics uh they're talking about that being Isaiah. A, a, yeah, Isaiah with Al Horford. But, again, he doesn't really play defense. And Boston is a very defensive team. Uh, what's the coach's name? Um, Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens, yes. Excuse From me. <laughs> he's he's a very – he loves the, his players that plays defense. So, uh, that would be a potential liability, a very big a liability for the Celtics if they made that move. And then uh, there's always the talk about Carmelo going out to L.A. Yeah. <laughs> but – Will debunk Car- that. Carmelo right is a
2: lost cause, in my opinion. <laughs> I think that he's been given some good players to work with in New York. I mean, you can say what you want about Joakim Noah and Derrick Rose. They could be on the way out of their careers, um, which they probably are. I mean, mm-hmm. neither of them are going to be the players that they once were. Yeah. But they still are that in that upper tier category when it comes to yeah. when it comes to the NBA players. And um, and he's not doing anything with them. And they're 21 and 29. Yeah, That, that also <laughs> been proves right to side. why Carmelo won't really be a big asset on whatever team he goes to, in my opinion. Yeah.
4: Well, I feel like that's enough about Carmelo. You know, yeah. I feel ahead yeah. of uh, coming on talking about Carmelo.
2: Let's switch to well, – you want to talk about college football now?
4: Well, no, no I, say, there's a, a fun topic I want to talk about. DeAndre Jordan said he would love to do the dunk contest as long as he could join the three-point contest. <laughs> you know, that would be really entertaining to see. And it also brings another point of view, like, why don't you let these players do what they want to do? Like, have, like he's taking – he wants his demand as long as, you know, he meets the demand of the fans, you know, meet his demand. And I feel like that's a really uh, interesting point of, uh, point of view.
0: I feel like it's a, a mixture of both. So, like, looking at – as an MLB fan, you're looking at all we sort can of weekend – uh, and, and they had a couple pitchers this past, year trying to get in the home run contest. Mm-hmm. That was Madison Bumgarner, who mm-hmm. heard the San Francisco Giants. Yeah, so the I would love to paint. see that. I would love so to like, see that. That's not his main job is in home runs, but he can, has a power yeah. to. And DeAndre Jordan's main thing is not hitting threes, but if he wants to be in the home run contest, or he wants to not be in the home three run, three-point. <laughs> contest, let him be in the three-point contest. Right. It's all about how I mean, it's all sort it's of. It's way
4: better than seeing Steph just win another dunk conte- or three three point three point contest or a Three-point contest over again you I know this would be though. fun yeah, exactly Deanna, Deanna exactly I mean, exactly it it'll be so fun
0: win. i mean it's gonna be a, a incredible mm-hmm. dunk contest when you have levine coming out once again coming up with hopefully new dunks the guy i don't know a... what new dunks he can come up with <laughs> <the> gym, <laughs> right, something like I that mean, jump on stage unbelievable uh johnny jordan eric new Gordon. Everybody. Yeah, you know, these guys are high flyers i mean yeah, it's exciting definitely I, everyone talks about The all-star games and all three of the sports that are going on. The Pro Bowl is probably the biggest joke of them all. Um, (laughs) But the other ones are all about having fun. I I mean, there's no contact, so you don't have to, like, kill yourself. Mm -hmm. As in the NFL, you have to, like, worry about tackling
2: somebody. Uh, that's you know, a defensive Pro Bowl, twenty to thirteen, with like a defensive stop that ended that. The quarterback well, play was pathetic.
0: The quarterback <laughs> play.
2: I didn't Andy, watch. Andy <laughs> Dalton for
0: one hundred yards. That's how bad you know it's going on when he when he's leading the a, the AFC uh, as a quarterback Andy 10 with ten of with one hundred That's a whole other story. I don't even want to talk about that again, I don't even when that happens. I don't even want to have my TV on that because I don't Andy give them Dalton. <laughs> exactly, you get it. Um but I mean I'm down. Are you down with Yonder Jordan playing? And I something? would
4: love that. Like, <laughs> I think everybody who loves watching, you know, especially the entertainment value would love to watch that as well. <laughs> you know. What
2: else you got? You got anything else? There's one it? more
4: thing. Um John Wall and Bradley Bill. Um they're learning how to coincide with each other. Finally. Uh you know, for the past couple of years they haven't been really getting along all that well. But right now I believe they're third um in the power rank or not the power rankings, but uh in the East. Yeah. Twenty seven to twenty. I mean, from last year, they were uh, a very subpar team. And to see them, you know, succeeding by one side of another, you know, it's a real good thing to see.
2: When they're both going off, that's a dangerous combination. Yeah, definitely. You, we saw John Wall in Sports Center the other day. He
0: was telling Holly Bradley Beal. You were pretty impressed with that. You thought mm-hmm. that they were still headbutting. Uh,
4: I guess not now. They, now. they did clear that up. They cleared it up. it has got to clear it up, clear it up to, to hopefully make a playoff push. That'll be very interesting to see. we we got to wait and, wait and see yeah. that as well. Um, it's a long time from now, though. You know, anything can happen.
0: Tomorrow, huge day in college football.
4: National signing day, baby.
0: Before we get going with the NFL, Jackson and I am going to dive into that. Matt, what do you got on the huge signings possible for... Some big teams around the name. Well,
4: I don't really care about any other big team except for the Ohio State Buckeyes. You know? <laughs> I'm from Columbus, Ohio, Northside Columbus. I grew up an Ohio State fan right down the street from uh, the Ohio, Uni- Ohio State University campus. And a uh, real big name, Marvin Wilson. Um, of course, I'm pretty sure everybody knows that's been following recruiting. He's a 6'4", 335-pound 335, 335 defensive tackle, and he's a five-star. But for some reason, these past, you know, ever since Urban came to Columbus, uh, they just haven't been able to accrue that, you know, that big-time five-star defensive tackle to plug up the middle. And I think that's been a liability in our defense. Um, we've had great past, um, uh rushing defenses as, as well as run-stopping defenses. But, you know, that was our main problem this past year. Like, we couldn't stop running the ball on defense. Like, our secondary was fine. Linebackers, they were flying around. But our defensive interior defensive line, they just couldn't get the job done. So it'll be interesting to see if we can get this guy. I hope we do. Um, and then that would in the drought of the big time five star defensive tackles.
0: I mean, talking about defensive linemen for Ohio State, I mean, you had Joy Bosa, who's balling out in mm-hmm. San Diego, Adolphus Washington, oh, yeah. who at the end of his career had a couple of misfortunes with the running with the law, <laughs> soliciting. Um, so, yeah, soliciting. <laughs> and now he's with the Bills. He's doing great there. Uh-huh. And moving forward, I mean, Taequann Lewis.
4: Who's coming back, who's a big guy. He's Big Ten Defensive Alignment uh, of the Year.
0: Nicky Bosa. Nicky. Little, little Joey Bosa's brother. <laughs> Man. And <laughs> then you get this guy. I mean, this team could be absolutely powerhouse, dominant, hopefully getting back to the Final Four. Uh, as you said, Urban Meyer is one hell of a recruiter. I don't think there's oh, yeah. him and Nick Saban going head to the head. They're, I mean, they're neck and neck as it has been, like, the last eight years. Um very
2: interesting to see what can happen. Not only
4: are they great recruiters, they are great developers yes. of talent. Um, these guys come in. They're not promised, you know, playing time. As you can see, there's a log gem of defensive ends. We got Nick Bosa, Jalen Holmes, Sam Herbert, who's also coming back, and Taequann Lewis. Like, those are four defensive ends that are starting caliber defensive ends that could be stars on any other team, blah, 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 et cetera. But these guys, uh, you know, they – they're just learning to be teammates and play for one another, and that's what Urban is selling them on, as well as a great education, obviously. Um, but they have to work and compete, and the only way you can be the, be the best is if you beat the best. And that's what the, the main sell is there in Columbus along the defensive line and Playing prime other, time. Other, to, other spots, <laughs> <You get on laughs> pretty ABC, much. You
0: get on ESPN on prime spots. Everyone's watching you. Any other guys that it? That's it, But That's it. Well, thank you again. <laughs> Matt coming on. Uh, that's the last – Guest appearance we have for this week.
2: Any last words?
4: No. Go big or go home, I guess. Go go <laughs> home. There you go. <laughs> first. Who do you right. in Super Bowl? Super Bowl, I got the Pats, man. Tom Brady, I hate him. He's from that team <laughs> up north. But, you know, he's he's he has a pretty good record in, in the big game. So, I'm going to go with him.
0: There you go. I'm going to take your mic from you. Thank you. Thank you very thank much. You. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that, bud. Last segment here. All right. Jackson. and I, last two on it. Uh, we have the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 51. We're in Houston. Uh, Not us, but the Super Bowl is. Unfortunately, that'd be really cool. If we were I, w- I wish we were. We got the Gronk jersey up behind me.
2: Not that we all support it here. Exa-
0: not that we're supporting them. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you, uh, do you know what the line is right now if you can go to the, the scores? you have to go to the NF- NH- or NFL. It doesn't matter. The Pats are going to win. So you, that, you said that Matt's a big talker. You guys got to understand that because he was telling me about how Green Bay was going to destroy the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> and I said, let's put 20 bucks on that. And what happened? Do we see Atlanta destroyed them? Um, you got to go here. Scores. That's that right. Uh oh. So, right now, the spread is three points still for New England. The over-under is 59. Jackson, who do you have in this game? What are your keys and your takeaways and who and how is this gonna end up in your opinion? I guess who who you're rooting for and how's this gonna end up do you think it is?
2: All right. Well, um I'm gonna pick the Atlanta Falcons. I think they've been the underdogs all year long. I love the underdog teams and I love how the Atlanta Falcons have been playing. Um that offense is just unstoppable. It's it's the best offense in the NFL. I think that it is better than the Patriots' offense. The Patriots might have the edge on defense, yet the Falcons are getting better, and they have progressively gotten better through the playoffs, with the exception of their red zone defense is a little weak. But primarily why I have the Falcons is Matty Ice, Matt Ryan. He is a beast. He's, he's He should win the MVP this year, um, without a doubt, in my mind. Without him, uh, that – that Atlanta Falcons offense would not be anything close to what it is, and then you've got Julio Jones, also who the best receiver in the NFL in in my mind, and uh, he 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 can get it done just about against anybody. And who who they don't have the Patriots don't have any quarterback who can cover him, I don't think. And then you've got on top of that you've got Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Two great uh, uh, running backs who can also double as a wide receiver. They, they're great out the back, very athletic, and they can, they're can. they good replacements for each other. Once once tired, once Devontae Freeman's tired, you're going to put in Tevin Coleman. You can't do much about that. I love the Falcons in this game. I don't think that the Patriots have enough on defense to stop them. I want to agree with you so hard. I am <laughs> going to root for the Falcons the entire
0: game. There's a couple stats you want to give to the audience here. The Patriots are seventeen and zero when Dion Lewis plays and is healthy. He's going to be healthy and playing in this game. They have not lost with him on the roster. Um, very hard to stop. I mean, not only do they have Lewis, they've got Legarrette Blunt. I mean, Legarrette Blunt is a huge running back coming out of Oregon. they probably the last big guy over two hundred and fifty pound running back to come out of there. Uh, they've gotten very short and uh, little quick guys out of the backfield since him. Uh, Tom Brady refuses to lose in this big game. Uh, the only team that has got him twice, it was the Giants, New York Giants and Eli Manning. I don't know how that happened, uh, but it did happen. Gronk is out for the Patriots, which is still going to be a huge thing to look at. They still have a really good tight end, Martellus Bennett. Uh, the receiving core, though, is a little weaker, again, compared to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, you have Hogan who busted a couple big touchdown uh, receptions there last week, or excuse me, two weeks ago against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You have Edelman, who has been an absolute stud. Him and Brady have their little bromance going on. That's right. And then you have Amendola. (laughs) If Amendola can stay healthy, you have three very, very quick receivers that pretty much are slot receivers lined up as anywhere on the field.
2: Um, Here's my only problem with their receivers, though. Belichick is the receiver. Is the reason those receivers are good? They're system players. I in in my eyes. I okay. because with maybe Amendola and Hogan definitely are. They were no names until Belichick uh, had them on. Their-